when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Any idiot can say whatever they want, and they usually do, and they're negative. And all I see, to me, I've gotten to a point now when I see things like that, I feel sorry that those people feel that way, that their lives don't have the purpose, the passion, and the excitement and the enjoyment that some of us do. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sunbelt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. Talk about the reception you receive from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. I said in my press conference back in December that I didn't feel like there was anything in South Carolina that we lacked to be a championship program, that we had everything that we needed. I am even more convinced of that now after being there for seven months. Oh, welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm flying solo for this episode, but don't worry. Got a terrific show lined up. Got several SEC teams we're going to hit on when we go around the league. But before we get to that, uh, you know, we like to start with something funny if we can. And man, we got something for you here. This comes uh, courtesy new Twitter account I just found. It's pretty great. It's called Message Board Geniuses. And this comes via a Kansas message board. This is great. Let's give this guy a shout out. Love That Blues, the username. And here's his message he had on the message board here. I know it's not a cultural fit, but if push comes to shove and we never receive that invitation to the Big Ten, we might have an outside shot of sliding into the SEC. With Oklahoma and Texas in the mix and Missouri already on board, it makes sense more now than ever to have Kentucky, Kansas, and the basketball side, and it would make it the premier basketball conference as well as football. And then at the very end here, this is the best part. It's not my ideal choice, but I'd much rather land in the SEC if we don't get into the Big Ten than suck it up and go to the P4 fallback conference. <laughs> so the SEC is a fallback plan for uh, Kansas fans. I, I just thought that was fantastic, as if they had a shot in hell at ever getting into the SEC. But, uh, hey, that <laughs> we had to, had to start with that. We've got a lot of news, so let's kick it around the league. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. 
All right, let's start here in Missouri. M-I-Z! Where apparently it's toughness week. <laughs> According to uh, Eli Drinkowitz, uh, six days in a row of practice and getting some bangs and bruises up there. Some unfortunate news. Uh, everyone's waiting to see what Mookie Cooper does for the Tigers. Well, he's going to be sidelined for the next uh, 10 to 14 days, maybe a little bit longer. And Jalen Macklin... The uh, brother of, uh, of course, Jeremy Macklin, the legend there at Missouri, little banged up. So uh, let's kick it over to Eli Drinkowitz, who met with the media here on Monday. We're finishing uh, Toughness Week, what we call Toughness Week, six straight days of practice. Uh, couldn't be any more proud of how our team responded to the challenge that our coaches uh, put in front of them. Yeah, Jamori Macklin suffered a, a fracture of the orbital bone. Uh, it will be out three or four weeks, uh, maybe a little bit sooner. Uh, Mookie's got a lower leg injury. Um, <clears throat> don't know a timetable on that. You know, could be anywhere from 10 days to 14 days. Uh, just depends on how he responds to treatment, uh, how his body responds. Obviously, with a uh, you know speed guy like that, it could be a little bit. You know, it, it's really going to come on him with pain tolerance. Both those guys have a really good grasp of the offense. And so we anticipate, you know, being positive, we're hoping that the, the game week they'll be ready to roll. Don't know that, but uh, that's kind of our mindset. All right, but that wasn't the only update from uh, Missouri, who's now 10 days into training camp here. Uh, and I thought uh, Coach was asked about uh, just the difference between last season and this year. You know, going into the last season, the narrative, and we pretty much all had it, uh, you know, Revisionist history, we all we forget the takes we had, but these first-year coaches going into a 10-game SEC slate, we thought it was just a, a hope and a prayer for hardly any of these teams to win. Yet, uh, Drinkowitz and Pittman, Kiffin, even Leach, I mean, they all had success last season. So it's going to be fascinating to see what these guys do in year two after their first spring, after having a full offseason of conditioning. And that's something that uh, Eli Drinkowitz is excited about himself. Well, I think having the full offseason in the summer conditioning without restrictions was big. You know, last year everything was uh, technically uh, voluntary uh, throughout the summer until I think July 15th. You know, we didn't, once they left for spring break, they weren't back until. I think it was June 6th on a voluntary basis. And so you're missing a lot of training. And, and that training is an everyday consistency of, of, of approach. You know, they know what the standards are that we're setting and what they have to be and what they have to meet every day. And without that, you just, you just don't have it. You don't know what to expect. I think they know what to expect now. I think they know what the, their process has to be in order to be successful here and what we're demanding of them uh, on a daily basis. So like I said before playing that clip, I mean, so many first-year coaches last year in the SEC made an instant impact. Uh, now we find out how well these guys transition into year two. And, you know, just based on what we saw in 2020, uh, I think I got to be feeling pretty confident if I'm a Missouri, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, or Arkansas fan based on what those coaches brought to their programs last season. All right, well, uh, sticking on that theme, let's kick it all damn to Mississippi State. Man, I hate to, you know, I sound like a broken record here, but we got some bad news because uh, defensive end Jordan Davis suffered an in injury recently. 
during practice. Uh, no firm details on what that could be, but I was told he's been he was carted off the field. And if you recall, I think the last time we played a, a clip from Mike Leach, he was asked, you know, who's standing out during uh, recent practice, and the first guy he named was Jordan Davis. Uh, Jordan Davis is a guy that uh, former Alabama commit, I believe he even signed with the Crimson Tide before he had to go to the junior college route. So very, very talented player. Let's hope for Mississippi State's sake that uh, he's not injured for very long. Uh, but uh, as soon as we get confirmation on that, we'll share that with you. But uh, that's not all we got from Mississippi State because following the first scrimmage, there of training camp, Mike Leach recently met with the media, talked about to Will Rogers, and you know the big thing there. It's easy to focus on the quarterback competition, but for that offense, that Mississippi State offense, it's all about the offensive line to me. Uh, some kind of less than encouraging comments I thought from Mike Leach on that angle. Uh, so let's kick it over to him. I thought it was I thought it was productive. I thought it was aggressive. I thought it was uh, competitive the whole time. Uh, both sides have. Uh, plenty to be uh, uh, pissed about, so that typically means you had a pretty good scrimmage. I think that, um, uh, you know, I would have liked to see uh, see us finish on the goal line a couple of those times. I thought, though, um, you know, we, uh, but we got off the hook. Defense let us off the hook a couple of times on some third and long, so I, I still think, you know, we're not as consistent as we want to be. Um, you know, but we do have an explosive quality with the, you know, with the sacks and some of the explosive plays. I was on Will Rogers today, and how he directed. <laughs> uh, I, uh, a little up and down. I thought several times really good. Um, then we had some drop balls, which uh, uh, or sacks that cost the whole unit. Uh, collectively, I thought he did pretty good, but definitely there's a player or two he wants back. You know, he took care of the ball, but. You know, um, you know, you, I'd like uh, I'd like him to find his way out of some of those sacks, uh, his own self, not just the O line. Uh, obviously, the protection was suspect there. Uh, I think some of these guys got to get tougher. Some of them may think they're better than they are. So, you know, we got to get that out of them. You're about three weeks away from the first game. You know, how close to game ready do you feel your squad is? <clears throat> oh, I don't think we're ready yet. I th I'm very glad we got three weeks or whatever it adds up to. I don't think we're ready yet. You know, Leach is a for as fun and quirky and all that as he is. He's a, you know, he's a disciplinarian. He's a tough guy. At, at least that's the way that I understand how he coaches his team. So maybe he's just trying to get his offensive line up to the caliber he expects them to be. But uh, you know, because based on these comments, when you're asked about the quarterback and your mind quickly goes to the offensive line, that was the big issue there in Starkville last season. So got to get that group going there at Mississippi State, uh, but uh, hey, before we leave Mississippi State, we do have a positive note. Well, half positive, half bad. He was asked about the tackling, and again, uh, Coach Leach's mind wanders to somewhere else. He hits on the, the running backs that Mississippi State's got here. How did you like tackling went today? Um, I thought it went pretty good. I'd have to go back and look at the film. I thought it went pretty good. There were a couple plays that looked to me like we kind of got out of um, in a few cases, I think our running backs, uh, you know, when they get their pads moving forward, they're tough to bring down. So, you know, just evaluating what portion is uh, uh, the running back doing a really good job or 
uh, you know, the defender, you know, not getting it done as quickly as we'd like. All right, so I really wanted to play this clip because, you know, I know Mississippi State fans are well aware, but I don't know if the rest of the SEC really knows the tandem here that the Bulldogs got in Dylan Johnson and Jaquavian Marks, two very talented backs last season, freshmen, both of them, now sophomores. Uh, you know, they didn't rush for a ton, 537 yards and seven touchdowns combined. But here's where they were really effective, as you would have imagined in a Mike Leach system, 96 catches for the pair and for, for 553 yards receiving. So Mississippi State's got uh, you know two studs back there. Uh, you really got to like the pieces once you start digging more and more into what Mississippi State's got to work with, one of the youngest teams in all of college football last season. They're probably still going to be that way with, with guys like Wally and Rodgers and Johnson and Marks all going into their sophomore season. So uh, there's a lot to like about Mississippi State's offense, what we saw last year. But I think the key, and it's something that kind of Leach is talking about here, is going to be the consistency. Because that's what you get with young, talented players, sometimes not always as consistent. And that certainly was an issue with Mississippi State in year one of the Mike Leach era. Now that they've had all these additional reps and all these camps and all these practices, you know, you certainly got to believe that's going to prove this year on the field for Mississippi State. And it better because they got a, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, a schedule that, uh, they can't conquer here early on, but it's tough. I mean, Memphis, NC State, uh, these are not layup games. Louisiana Tech in the opener, not Skip Holtz is a, is a really good coach. So uh, if they if they show up with their C game in any of these, they're going to be tested. So Mississippi State's got to be coming out firing on all cylinders and help. If we learned anything from Mike Leach's time in the SEC, his team will be ready to go week one. All right, sticking in the state of uh, Mississippi, let's kick it all damn to Oxford. And if you missed it uh, last week, maybe go back. Well, hell, maybe I may delete it before you have an opportunity. But I was singing the praises of uh, the Ole Miss defense. Lakia Henry came out and said, hey, this unit could be the best in the SEC, could be the best in the country. And I knew he was going to get mocked by some for those comments. And But, you know, there's plenty of reason for optimism. Uh, when you consider all the transfers, all the super seniors coming back, they do have talent on that Ole Miss defense. Make no mistake. Clearly, it didn't <laughs> didn't really matter last year. They were so god awful. But uh, you know, with so many of those guys back, with the coaching staff intact, the continuity returning, with the experience returning for that Ole Miss defense, you gotta assume they're gonna get better. But according to Lane Kiffin, I mean. My God, the guy could barely hold up his head here in his most recent press conference. Asked about uh, most recent scrimmage there at the first scrimmage of of training camp in Oxford, and he was very disappointed in his defense. So let's kick it over to Kiffin. Hey, Lane, I, I know you've had little time to assess the situation, but just your kind of off the cuff feelings about what you watched this morning. Um, you're right. Obviously, we just walked off. I haven't watched the film, but. Um... You know, impressed with the first offense, running and passing. Um, not impressed with the defense. So, you know, it always happens when you're scrimmaging yourself. If one side does good, you know, you walk off saying, okay, well, are we good or on that side? Or are we bad on the other side? So, um, you know, we'll go watch the film. We played a lot of players today, ones, twos, threes, uh, a lot of reps for new guys. So, um, hopefully we'll learn some stuff off this film. 
And like you said, you haven't had time to really look at, you know, assess the whole situation, but was there anything that kind of stuck out defensively that was problematic? Yeah, poor tackling. Um, you know, you make excuses and say first scrimmage, but still got a tackle. We worked on it yesterday. Um, and, you know, we came out and didn't tackle very well. And, <clears throat> you know, which is discouraging because, you know, we had a number of receivers that, you know, were banged up. So they were playing but weren't able to be tackled. So a lot of it was just the running backs. And, you know, ones, twos, and threes missed tackles between the linebackers and the secondary. So um, a lot to learn. Obviously, there were a lot of rotating bodies and whatnot, but it looked like there were kind of three series of top offense versus the top defense. And the defense looked like it had a little bit of success there. Would, would you say that was that was accurate, at least on, on that front? Yeah, I thought in the second half, um, defense did a little bit better. Now the second half was not tackle, so, you know, that helps. But um, the, it did seem better. It was fr very frustrating first quarter. Uh, defensively, especially to give up explosive plays like we did. Lane, can you just give us an overall assessment of one week of fall camp? Are you where you thought you'd be, where you want to be? I, I think the concern is what happened today, you know, with the offense looking really good and the defense not. And, you know, again, it's good and bad. You don't know. You're playing yourself. So, it's a little frustrating on the defensive side, and but you never know. This time of year ago in the fall scrimmages, we couldn't make a first down with our first offense with Elijah, and our defense stopped our offense all the time. So, and then I guess we're the only some interview when they're interviewing said we're the only team in America to give up forty and score forty, you know, as an average last season. So we obviously want to fix that. So this is not me cherry-picking comments here. This is uh, not a very long press conference, but essentially I'd say about 75% of it was dedicated to his disappointment in his defense. So something's got to give. But, uh, of course, as Kiffin notes, maybe they've got the best offense in the nation. I mean, I don't think that is going to be a stretch to, to look into what Ole Miss did last year, what they bring back. I know Elijah Moore and Royce Newman off to the NFL, but beyond those two, I mean, everybody's back, and they landed uh, Jalen Knox from Missouri, the transfer. So, I mean, they are going to be loaded on that side of the ball. But, you know, this is a cause for concern a little bit here with, with Kiffin dogging his defense here. But I will say maybe he's got a little bit of, uh, you know, really good poker face because I remember this time last year he was basically beside himself saying, you know, I don't know how we're going to compete. I don't even know how we're going to field a team. I was so down on Ole Miss based on a lot of the comments Kiffin had shared during the offseason leading up to the to his first season there in Oxford, and we all know what happened. I mean, they were lights out on that offensive side of the ball from the get-go. So, again, you don't re never read too much into one scrimmage. Maybe the defense uh, – I, I think more than anything what this tells me is, you know, maybe what Lakia Henry – you know, not saying that Ole Miss was going to have the best defense in the SEC, but maybe they were – impressing in practice leading up to this scrimmage setting the expectations much higher for kiffin and company and then here they drop an egg in scrimmage i think more that's probably what we're getting here and that's probably why kiffin was so disappointed in the performance of his defense
All right, sticking in the SEC West, let's uh, jump to the state of Alabama where Auburn's... Get ready, Toomer's Corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score, Auburn 48, Alabama 45. First scrimmage over the weekend took place, and uh, Brian Harson and company got that thing rolling. And, you know, again, he's a tough one to uh, pick <laughs> comments from because uh, he only fielded about four or five questions, and... That took about 30 minutes for him to answer them, as we saw at uh, SEC Media Day is what I think he fielded three questions at the main podium. But uh, one of the keys there, the offensive line, that's uh, something that under Mike Bobo and Will Friend, Auburn fans anxious to see how this unit, that's one that uh, Gus Malzahn, you know, for all his uh, better points, <laughs> Offensive line recruiting and development ain't one of them. So uh, they've got, uh, I wouldn't say a mess on their hands because they do return plenty of experience. Uh, but the the offensive line is going to be critical uh, considering the fact that, uh, you know, we all know Bo Nix, how inconsistent he can be. And you got to assume that the offense is going to run through Tank's big, Tank Bigsby. But that ain't going to work if the offensive line doesn't hold up, doesn't come together. So uh, Brian Harson shared his thoughts on uh, what he's seeing from his offensive line. Hey, Brian, obviously you talk about the the front seven on defense seemingly having a, a decent night. How do you then evaluate the, the offensive line play? Obviously, that's a that's a big focus. How, do, how did they do in your eyes? Yeah, uh, solid at time. I think this, uh, <clears throat> you know, a little inconsistent. You know, that's – I stand back and just know my vantage point here, I stand back behind the offense and, and I get to see the quarterback. I get to watch the O-line, get to watch the protection in the backs. And so, you know, I kind of see every little thing. Uh, and I'm pretty critical of that group. Uh, they did move the ball. We ran the ball. We ran the ball. They did come off the ball. They did strike. Um, we missed some blocks in there. We just flat out missed them. Uh, it wasn't, uh, and it was really just, you know, we, we got to communicate it. Um, so that, that, those things... You know, we have to correct a um, couple penalties that we had, some false starts that, you know, we need to, we'll get corrected. We need to address uh, and continue that moving forward, and they'll see that. But overall, there were some good things that they, they did better in pass protection. Uh, I thought we were able to run the ball and get downhill uh, in the scrimmage, so there was some positive that way. And, you know, I just, I think for the O-line, you know, it's always about consistency. You just, you know, when you've got uh, the D line right up in your face and you've got guys trying to, to get off and penetrate, um, like we're going to see, you know, you, you got to, you got to be really, really good up front. And, you know, I think our old line is, is improved. Um, now, as we move forward, it, it's got to be the consistency from those guys up front that we have got to handle our assignments. And we've got to we've got to make sure that, that we're on the right people, and then just being physical. You know, at the end of the day, just being physical. We got to we got to come off. We got to strike, and and we've got to be able to move the line of scrimmage, um, to be able to run the ball the way we want to. And, and we did that at times. We want to be more consistent up front. So we've improved, but we're not where we need to be. And our guys know that. And I think. That's the best thing about that group right now is they're, they're willing to work. Uh, I do like that about that group. And so this next week, you know, we still have time to keep improving. And I expect as we get in that second scrimmage that we'll make those corrections and we'll be better up front and we'll have that consistency that we're looking for. All right, and in addition to those comments, Harson also talked about uh, the quarterbacks 
And, you know, he didn't really give any uh, individual keys or notes here at all, but he was asked about a two-quarterback system. And, again, he's kind of coy. He's playing it coy, but he said he's done that before. He's not afraid to do it. So what does that tell you? I don't know about Bo Nix and how he's performing. Maybe just T.J. Finley's looking that good. Let's kick it over to Brian Harson one more time on the quarterbacks. Coach, uh, so far through, you said eight, eight practices, the progression of the quarterback, you kind of talked about already, but a lot of fans are wondering what this Brian Harson offense is going to look like. Is there an opportunity where you would have two quarterbacks playing on September 4th, and, or are you kind of sticking to one guy by the end of this with the depth chart? Yeah, well, come September 4th, that's – I've done that before, so that that's not out of uh, possibilities. Uh, and let's be clear, um, you know that's not what we're working towards right now. I mean, right now we're we're developing each quarterback to go out there and play the position and be the quarterback. Um, I've used multiple quarterbacks for situational things, um, and because guys deserve to play at that position, I've, I've coached some good players, uh, starters and backups. Uh, as far as the offense goes, again, we're you know, we're in that uh, part of camp right now where it's it's a lot of the base, it's it's repeating a lot of the base, and you know the run game, uh, the protections, the pass game. It's it's really a lot of the things right now that are our base that we can build from and add on to moving forward. But um, the most important thing, not so much scheme wise, is the fundamentals of those guys in those positions. We just talked about the O line. Um, you know, and part of that is is our assignment, and part of that is making sure that you know when we know our assignment, uh, we don't miss it, and we're able to execute it, and we can we can go out there and just you know play the basic fundamentals of the game at a high level. And so- All right, so interesting comments here from Harson. Uh, he would go on to say, you know, the receivers have have been playing well, and obviously that's going to help out uh, Bo Nix, T.J. Finley, whoever it is, a quarterback for the Auburn Tigers, but. You know, I was kind of expecting him to, to come out here and kind of say, you know, this is Bo's team, if that was the case, and he didn't say that. So, I don't know. I don't know how much you read into, again, first scrimmage, but Bo Nix was there in the spring. T.J. Finley wasn't. I think most of us assume that uh, Bo Nix was running away with this thing, but that may not be the case, and that is something to monitor here on at Auburn because if uh, Bo Nix – for all his talent, if uh, he cannot put it together or doesn't fit quite in this offense, you know, it truly wouldn't be a stunner, I don't think, if uh, T.J. Finley won this job. Not saying that's going to happen. I It would be a surprise, but it just would not stun me if because uh, we all know T.J. Finley. I know he was inconsistent as well last year as a true freshman for LSU, but he certainly had some highlights of his own. All right, so staying in the state of Alabama, let's kick it down next to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where Alabama held their first scrimmage of training camp here. And from what I understand, Bryce Young had three touchdowns. Uh, and that is something that uh, Nick Saban didn't give away the individual stats, but he was asked about Bryce Young and how the quarterbacks looked. And, uh, you know, he seemed very impressed with his new quarterback. Yeah, Coach, just what did you see from the quarterbacks today, especially Bryce, with him getting an opportunity to, to lead that first team? I think Bryce did a good job today. Uh, I think we, you know, have to uh, play well around Bryce. Uh, at times today, I didn't think, um, you know, maybe we did as good a job of that as we need to. Uh, it's all 11 guys. Uh, it's the offensive line. It's the receivers. It's all 11 guys. 
so that he'll have, you know, more opportunities to make plays. But what I think when he had opportunities today, he did a really good job. So, um, you know, I was pleased with his performance. I'm sure if you ask him, he'll be the first one to say, you know, he's looking forward to working to, you know, try to improve and, you know, improve the production overall in terms of our execution on offense. And that's what's going to make us better. All right. And then the other thing here Saban was asked about, I mean, he kind of, <laughs> he starts out like he hated the question, but then he gets into some, some really uh, good stuff here about development and how young players, you know, every player is different. And if you don't listen to Nick Saban, when he opens up and speaks upon stuff like development and, and getting the best out of his players, then I don't know who in the hell you're going to listen to because there's no one better to do it. So let's kick it over to Nick Saban, asked about the young players that are standing out and how the development's going this season. And he, he kind of took it in his own direction here, but I just thought these were some really interesting comments here from Coach Saban. Coach, you said some of the young guys were able to make some plays today. Um, maybe who were some of those guys? And then how much do you think having a relatively normal spring, summer, and fall compared to 2020 is going to help some of those freshmen uh, be able to make an impact early? Well, I can't really answer that. It's kind of a hypothetical question. So, you know, last year we played pretty well relative to COVID. So um, I can't say that it was a disadvantage for our development. And we did have like three guys, you know, start on defense in some role or capacity you know, as freshmen. Uh, and I think it was a disadvantage to the defense because you couldn't do anything against each other for a long time in the summer. Uh, that hasn't been the case, you know, this year. Um, so I think that's been helpful uh, to all the players, but uh, especially to the defensive players. Um, and I, I do think we have some talented guys on offense that are young players, and it's going to be really interesting to see how those guys develop. Um, everybody develops at a little different, you know, level, uh, and, and, and time. So we'll just have to see how that goes. And I can't, I'm not going to sit here and make predictions about anybody or, uh, put any expectations on anybody right now. We're just really encouraged with, you know, our young receiver core. We're encouraged with a couple of the young DBs. Um, you know, we're encouraged with, by, you know, a lot of the young players that we have, and we want to just keep working with them and see how they progress. All right, so he's keeping us in the dark about who he's referencing here, but, uh, you know, I think it's safe to assume maybe some of these receivers he's referencing and uh, maybe some defensive backs here that Alabama's got on their roster looking to compete for playing time this year. And, of course, Bryce Young in a roundabout way. He's probably talking about him as well. So uh, I just thought those were some – the highlights of uh, – Nick Saban's most recent press conference here. All right, final team to hit on here. Let's jump on down to Gainesville. Well, Dan Mullen met with the media here on Monday, and man alive, he was asked time and time again about old Emory Jones. Uh, the Gators just had their first scrimmage of training camp, and from what I understand, information has been tough to, to get down there. They've closed everything off. No practices, no scrimmages, nothing. Uh, there's no media access, there's no fan access, there's no, uh, I don't even know if they're letting former players in there right now. So, uh, like I said, information tough to come by, but apparently the defense won the day here in the first scrimmage. And I don't necessarily know if that is why so many uh, questions were asked of Dan, of Emory Jones and, and how he's looking. You know, I'm not saying that's an indictment on Emory Jones, but, you know, I have been saying all off season. Look for this defense to get much better 
under, I know Todd Grant, third Grant, and we can all make the jokes, but they've got all the talent in the world to be a much improved defense. Hell, they had talent last year. They just didn't manage to put it together. So Todd Grantham's feet to the fire, no doubt. He's got the talent. I think the Gators are going to be much improved, and that certainly seems to be the theme here of Gators camp. And maybe that's why Dan Mullen was seemingly asked five, six, seven Emory Jones questions, but he's all over the map. And uh, let's kick it over to Dan Mullen talking about his quarterback, Emory Jones. Okay, sure. Well, then, Emory, did you do you notice a difference in the timing with him and receivers? Speaking of him this offseason, since spring to now, it sounds like they put in a lot of work, like multiple yeah. days a week and nights and all that stuff. I, I, I do. I think you see the things with um, – uh, that those guys and, and the timing they have, the work they put in. Emery's obviously, you know, one of the things we're always on him is consistency of performance. And but you also have to play to his strengths, you know. And, and one of the, back to the time well, but, stuff you've the uh, no, I think I think the one of the big things with 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 Emery is uh, it is, and I think you know, I mean, he, you know, he's going to make some explosive plays out there, you know, and you want kind of consistency and efficiency all the time. And and that might not be his game every play, you know. He's he might he's going to miss some some things here and there, uh, but he's going to make some explosive things on the other side of it, if that makes sense, you know. And you know, all, all of a sudden you're like, boy, you know, I, I, we I, I, we got to hit that ninety percent of the time, you know. And and he might be in the eighty percent of the times hitting something, but there's other things he do he can do that is so electric and and that he can create. Uh, that you want, you don't want to kind of box him in. You want to let him play to his strengths. Uh, obviously, I think his timing with the guys have got better. His control and understanding of the offense, uh, his reads, I think, have gotten uh, much better of where he's going with the ball. Uh, you know, and then his his ability to create and make plays is pretty special. Dan, with, with Felipe Franks, your your thing with him was kind of uh, make, not just making the spectacular play, making the unspectacular play. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I just heard what you said with Emory and not wanting to kind of box him in. How do you kind of balance that? Does that make sense? Well, yeah, I, I think it is. I think it's playing to the strengths because you still have to make the unspectacular plays. You know, you still have to manage the offense, you know, and take what they give you, uh, if you will, you know. And, and, you know, so that, that gets into uh, making the simple plays on a consistent basis. And that's how that works. And so your quarterbacks always have to do that. You know, I mean, guys, guys sit there and say, okay, hey, I want to just, you know, I'm going to launch the ball deep every single play. Well, then if you're giving you triple coverage, can you better be able to check the ball down as well? And so I think that's part of it, of being able to make sure that's more managing the offense uh, in that way. You know, and a guy like Emery, the same way, he's got to do a good job managing the offense. And, you know, you're going to miss on, uh, one or two things here or there to take some other things. It's all playing to his strengths. You know, I think he's a very different quarterback than the guy we had last year. I mean, extremely different. Does some things way better, some things not as good. And our job as coaches to make sure we're putting him in position to do the things that he does well. Again, back to Emory real quick. We all know he can run and throw, but how far has he come and how much more does he have to grow to get to maybe – Kyle, Kyle Trask level in terms of pre-snap reading and getting through his progressions. Yeah, I, did really well. yeah, hard to compare those two because we're going to give him some more leeway. You know what I mean? Of, uh, you know, there's times I don't want him to get through the progression. 
you know, I'm on him. You know, a lot of times in camp, you have that fine line where you're like, hey, make sure you're going to stand in the pocket. You're not allowed to run, go through the progression. Then you got to flip it back the other way for him, which is like, go, bro. You know what I mean? If they're in this coverage and you, they give you a lane, I mean, there's, you're going to run until the, till the, you know, you just, till you get to the band. And, uh, you know, and so he, uh, uh, there's that aspect to it, but I think he does. You know, you go through the scrimmage last night. Uh, you know, I thought his decision making was uh, w- was pretty was really good. You know, I think he had some really made some really good decisions. Is that in some regards tougher <coughs> as an offensive coach to coach like the decision making part? No, I, I think the one. I think you you get caught up. You you get ca- uh, caught up uh, with players when you coach somebody and then you expect guys to be oh okay you're just going to coach him to be like this guy you know and I mean I, I go back to you know I remember that going back to coaching Alex Smith uh, you know I'm a young coach coaching Alex Smith here I am I coach the number one pick in the draft and uh, you know you're thinking hey I must be this unbelievable spectacular coach I coach this guy to be the number one pick in the draft and so the next guy comes along I'm just going to coach him the same way and he'll be the number one pick in the draft and uh, no it's it, it doesn't work that way you know it is you really spend time of not I don't I don't ever I don't need Emery to ever be like Kyle I need Emery to be like Emery and my job is to make get the best Emery I can get uh, kind of like last year we, we needed Kyle to become the best Kyle he could be and Felipe to be the best Felipe he could be. And, you know, you go back through the years that way. And, um, you know, so I think you learned that as you go along as a coach. And as, as a young coach, um, that, was, that, was a, that was a big learning step for me. You know, I went from Alex Smith to, to Chris Leak and very different uh, talent sets. And I had to coach, and you know, and all of a sudden you think, okay, well, what worked for one doesn't work for the other, and then you got better learn that early on as a coach, that uh, you got to not only do what the individual well does well, but coach to the style of the individual to make him learn the best as possible and how he learns. Um, Emory, best Emory. You said best Emory he can be. What does that look like in your mind? Uh, you know, a guy that's going to go out there and lead the offense, manage the offense, make good decisions when we need him to make a good decision, and find the balance between when it is to make the average play and when it is to go let your talents do something spectacular and find the balance between those two. So some really interesting comments there. I mean, th- these are different than uh, his SEC Media Days comments, to be sure, where he pumped up Jones every opportunity he could get. Now he's talking about the hisses, the hits and the misses that are natural, which maybe he's just being realistic about uh, what, how Jones is going to perform. I don't know, but, uh, you know, that's something to file away in the back of your head. I mean, Florida has got Alabama week three of the season. Uh, you know, I, that's one that I, I've been circling Alabama on upset alert. So if Emory Jones is not capable passer, certainly that's not going to be the case. So, uh, he's not going to have a, a ton of time to figure things out before he's got the toughest test of his career, week three in the swamp. But, again, if the Emory Jones shows up that uh, Dan Mullen was talking up at SEC Media Days, the Gators are going to be just fine. Now, the other things that uh, Dan Mullen hit on, I thought this was pretty interesting. Justin Shorter, of course, uh, who made his debut last season for the Gators after transferring in from Penn State, former five-star recruit. His time to shine right here, time to step up. 
And more importantly here, uh, again, we give Dan Mullen all the credit in the world on this show for knowing his talent, getting the most out of it. And that is something that uh, he hits on here with the balanced attack coming back to Gainesville and how that is going to keep defenses on their toes this season. One specific person question, mm-hmm. Linda. Um, based on just pure history, it seems like Justin Shorter would be in line to sort of take the next big step in the receiver unit. What have you seen from him? It's, this, is, this is a former five-star, a big guy. Does he kind of understand this is his year? Yeah, I think, you know, I think one of the things that I've seen from him, and, and if you ask most of the people on our team and, and even the coaching staff, is his work ethic of, you know, how he comes to work every single day. Um, you know, I mean, from the minute he's at the start of practice till the end, I mean, he is grinding, giving you everything that he has. Uh, you know, and then, and, and the great thing of that is you see it in the results, you know. I mean, I think he's playing at a much, much higher level than he did last year, much more consistent level, much bigger playmaker level uh, than he did last year. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's not a surprise with how hard he works day in and day out that you see that improvement. And a question. <clears throat> About the offense and a little bit about the nuances. I know you aren't going to explain the whole thing, but as we understand it, you've got a good bit of depth, it looks like, with five running backs and, you know, a nice group of wide receivers, tight ends, et cetera, quarterback good. With, it appears as though, without giving us a playbook, that you're going to be able to be more multiple, you're able to be more balanced. Can you explain to me exactly what that does to a defense when you put the pressure on uh, the linebackers and corners? With RPOs, and Emory is so talented at both. So yep. this will be a different kind of offense. How? Well, it is because you're just you're looking at the strengths of the players right now. You know, I mean, if you go to last year's offense, hey, you had a, a, a drop back quarterback that was extremely accurate. You just and you had a you know some talented receivers that you could spread the field, and they could win one on one. So the defense at that point. You know, you go watch. You're seeing a lot of drop eight in coverage, three man rush. You know, of just saying, hey. And we're, we, you know, if we rush, if we create one-on-ones, this guy's going to take advantage of those one-on-ones that are out there. Uh, you know, this year's team, as you said, you know, I mean, we're trying to find where our depth comes in. And, you know, I mean, you have some couple running backs that have, have shown they're going to be ready to play. You know, both, we have a couple – both quarterbacks have shown they're ready to go play. Uh, building up that number of receivers, you know, that there's a there's a group that we feel comfortable with and a group that are still right on the edge, same at tight end, a couple of the two we, we feel pretty comfortable with, a couple on the edge um, in offensive line, uh, you know, probably six, seven, seven-ish we're getting comfortable with and <clears throat> a couple more right on the edge and um, to get it there. Uh, but what you do is it's just gonna it's just gonna change. You're gonna be a different scheme, you know. And so you have different guys, different playmakers. You're gonna put put guys in different position uh, that are out there on the field. Obviously, the threat of quarterback run, whether it be a design quarterback run, whether it be an option run, or his ability to go scramble, puts a lot of difference in, in a different type of pressure uh, on the defense. And you know, I mean, the the you know, as you you put on different personnel groupings. You know, last year that you looked at the tight end position. And Kyle Pitts was a guy that, you know, we'd move around to play a lot of different positions on the field, you know, and, and um, you know, this year, the guys that are probably the multi-position guys are, pro- you know, and Kadaris Tony, those are guys that, you know, they run, is he playing running back on this play, tight end, slot, motion them into the backfield, receiver, where, where are they playing? Uh, you know, this year, you know, but la- last year, and you, you had all those, but you always knew exactly where the quarterback was going to be. 
Okay, this year you have, you know, maybe the running backs are going to be guys with a little bit more multiple abilities to do different things on the field uh, with the skill set that way. And certainly the quarterback, you got to figure out, you better know where the quarterback is. Last year you always knew exactly where he'd be every play. This year you have no idea where he's going to be and you better account for him. So uh, it just puts a totally different pressure on the defense. All right, so what, that's the game plan, apparently. But, of course, no one's seen it. No one really knows if that truly is the game plan. Uh, it would be wild if uh, I could see Dan Mullen just, you know, giving up, offering up these answers, uh, knowing that uh, people are, you know, we're just throwing darts against the wall here with, uh, with very little information. But uh, wouldn't it be wild if, uh, you know, he was just all lulling us to sleep with these comments here and, and Florida goes – you know, all-out passing game like they did last year. And who knows? Maybe they will. Or all-out running game, triple option, wing T. Of course, that's not going to happen, but <laughs> be pretty wild, wouldn't it? All right, guys. So, uh, hey, that's all I've got on this episode. Uh, just really wanted to recap all these uh, coach clips because they were, they were starting to stack up. From Some of these were from over the weekend as well, and some of them were from Monday. So I just really wanted to wrap all these up. But uh, Cousin Shane, scheduled to be back on the next one. You know, he's kind of going three three days a week this season is kind of what we've settled on. So if you're wondering why he's on again, off again, uh, you know, he's he's a busy working man. He's trying to set up that damn camera. He, <laughs> if I asked him to come on five days a week, uh, I don't think he would be able to do it. So I'll take 100% of Shane three times a week. Then I will, uh, you know, 60% of Shane five times a week. Uh, I think that math adds up. I don't know. I'll have to double check it. But, hey, that's all I got on this one. Uh, appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. Catch you on the next one.